and welcome to Dance Talks. I'm your host, Andrea Cody. Today is July 17th, 2020, and my guest is Leandre Douglas. Leandre, welcome to Dance Talks. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So, Thank you I actually do not know this. How did you start dancing? How did I start dancing? <laughs> okay, so, I actually started dancing because in 7th or 8th grade, there was this... Um, school dance and by far the I don't know how to say this by far the ugliest guy in our school um, like he wasn't very attractive but at this party he could dance and he danced really well exceptionally well and I was kind of captivated by that mainly because by Monday so the school dance happens on Friday right so you have Friday <laughs> Saturday Sunday by Monday all the girls were still talking about him yeah. dancing. Yeah. <laughs> and by lunchtime, uh-huh. on Monday, he okay. had a girlfriend. <laughs> now, she was not the prettiest girl in the school, but she was up there. She was not, she was not you know, unattractive by any means, uh-huh. even in seventh grade or whatever it was. And during lunchtime, they're asking her, like, why are you dating him? Like, what's up with that? And she was like, he could dance. And all the girls was like, yeah. And that was it. And I was like, I need to learn how to dance. Because not only was it captivating just to see somebody move, but the fact that his physical features had nothing to do with him getting a girlfriend. It was just the fact that he could dance. So that's initially when I started dancing. This is like seventh grade. Right. So... When we would go to like teen nights and all the parties, the guys that could dance the best got to dance. And when at the end of the night there were slow dances, the guys that danced all the like the whole right. time, they were the ones that girls was going to when the slow songs came on. Oh my goodness! So I wanted to be a part of that life. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I initially got into dance. Right. I just wanted a girlfriend. That's so sweet. Yeah. We're going to take a commercial break. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm going to gather myself. Oh, my gosh. It's hot in here. Okay. So, um, my kids are in dance for this dream I have for them. Yeah. You know, same same thing. Just so they could just be able to not be socially awkward. I mean, so that they will one day see a girl or boy and offer their hand. That's and cool. say, do you want to dance? And um, and let the magic happen. Yeah. Like Beauty and the Beast. I feel like they yes. fell in love when they started dancing. Like, right. When they was like on the dance floor. Oh, on that turns. Grandio- yep. yeah, On that grandiose dance floor. Yep. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, he could waltz. Or Foxtrot or wherever that was. Yeah. I think it was a waltz. I'm pretty sure. I feel waltz. like the song is not in 3-4 time. Mm. But it looked like a waltz because it was a foxtrot. And they looked similar. They're just six, seven, eight, done. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, a foxtrot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, you know, I teach so many couples who are getting married. And so often, one or both of them have never danced. And it's like really? taking it from the top. You know, now, are these, are these uh, there. Are these white people? Mostly? Mo- most of them. Because... I just feel like it's it's a thing to where dance is one of these arts that everybody is going to encounter sooner or later. Yep. Like there's always going to be a situation in everybody's life where dance is expected or like a necessity, whether it's a wedding or some kind of celebration or something like that. And you know when I like when you see when you talk about couples dancing like oh I've never danced like you've never been to a club like you've never been to like, like I history just, dance? Yes, like prom? I just, right, you know, I just mm-hmm. find that odd. But I then mean, I, I think they like, can tree dance, that's what one of them called it. You know, uh, they can sway back and forth with their arms around each other, but they specifically say, like, we don't want to just sway back and forth, or we have no rhythm, or like, just right. how do you do it, you know? Yeah, I get it. This yeah. way back and forth. That's, that was yeah. my favorite. I mean, that's a good, I did that's all a good the, move. I did all of that stuff just so I could do this. <laughs> right. I didn't want to, when it's this time, there's no, I've done all the dancing that I've I'm going to do right now. You earned the spot. You know what I'm saying? This is, I'm good right here. Got in the right company. Yeah, right. Yep. Cool. Okay, so then how did you 
learn all these moves and get there. My smooth moves. Um, so, yeah, uh, as a kid, this guy named Muhammad, so when I was telling you about the, like, the, uh, the tea nights we were going to, it was actually at Funplex. It was like the zone. It was called oh, the zone. Oh, Funplex. Yeah, it was called the zone. So it was Friday oh, yeah. night. It's like from so like 6.30 to 11 or 7 to 11 or something like that. Uh-huh. And one of the guys who was the best dancer, his name was Muhammad. Uh, he actually had a collection of tapes, VHS tapes of um, Electric Boogaloo's, um, Rocksteady Crew, yep. Skeeter, uh, it was Skeeter Rabbit, um, Wiggles, um, Poppin' P, all kind of, all kind of like videos like that, like poppin' and breakdancing videos, and but I got real close with them, real friends, because they were the best dancers. And I'm like, how are they the best dancers? We, I would go to their house after school, mm-hmm. found out that they was watching these tapes, right. and so we started <laughs> borrowing these tapes. It cool. was like five or six of us three tapes so every week we had right. to dispense the tapes right. and we would practice what we saw from the tapes uh, Pop and Taco was another tape that was one of my favorites so were they educational tapes or just dancing it was just them dancing like yeah. just clips of them dancing in a okay. club right. or a show mm-hmm. or on the street or whatever but it was there now Wiggles had more of an instructional tape like it was like floor moves and then he didn't necessarily teach them he just kind of did them and like floor combinations, whatever, and you kind of interpreted it, rewind it, play it back, try to figure it out. Um, but yeah, that was my initial education was the right. like VHS tapes, right. which is why I don't really get mad at people that learn from YouTube because to me it's kind of the same thing. Uh-huh. But I think the difference <laughs> is I actually seek those people out yep. and found out where they were and started going to their workshops and developing relationships with them. Right. Um, and yeah, so cool. my initial learning was these VHS tapes mm-hmm. that we shared amongst each other. Yeah. So did you go to dance class? Did I go to dance class? Not not coming up. I didn't. I didn't take my first right. dance class. First of all, hip hop and for hip hop and popping, there were no structured classes, especially yeah. in the South. For these, there was just these tapes and us right. practicing. And um, YouTube was just peaking, so you could get a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. But um, it was with your peers. You just we just met up and we would battle. We would look at the tapes. Or we would if there was a battle and they um, they uh, recorded it. We would go to the event, buy the tape. Oh yeah. And then cool. watch the battles back right. and cool. battle each other uh-huh. to sharpen our skills. Right. But there were no classes. It was all street. The only class would be considered a class was the club. We would go to the, either the teen clubs or like the clubs we could get into. It was like one called Coco Loco, Club Coco Loco, it was like on Richmond and um, Hush, which was like off of I ten. Yes. Uh-huh. You remember those? <laughs> that I, I, there were different clubs that I, mean, I went really. to. Um, so for me, it was I, I remember those. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Roxy. Um, Roxy right. off in Westheimer. So all these clubs. That wasn't my like jam. Like I was into ska and punk. Scott, so, you like Scott? I went, I went Scott, Scott mm-hmm. dancing every night, really? like from from ninety three on. Yeah. I just learned about Scott maybe like three it. years ago. It's so fun. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Scott. Yep. But um, anyway, we would go to those clubs, and that's where we would get our education. Like you would battle, or you would dance, and you knew if it was good or not based on the people watching you. So we would record ourselves dancing in a club, right? Mm-hmm. So we would sneak in a camera or be like, you know, have a have a um, relationship with the doorman or whatever and we always got in free because they knew we were like the dancers or whatever so cool. we'll get in with these cameras these big cameras yeah. <laughs> and record ourselves dancing in a club like what we saw on the on the tape and I don't know where these tapes are my brother said he has some of them yeah but I, I, don't know. I have a box of VHS tapes in my garage of like every swing dance yeah ever up, up until like 95 or 6 like when I got into it but I mean like that um, yeah I mean I was doing I was dancing to ska music wanting to know what more I could do and I and I was already dancing with my friends out there like twirling yeah. them around and I was like there's well, more there's a dance to that you yeah. know yeah, um, yeah so sure. yeah started po- started 
you know, collecting my VHS tapes. And they made the rounds for sure. Yeah. And yeah. Joel was there too. Joel was coming to the club. Joel was hey, going to Roxy. Joel Rivera? Yeah. He was awesome. coming to Roxy. And he was uh, friends with, we shared a mutual friend mm-hmm. um, named uh, uh, Julian. And Julian Embers. And oh, he yeah. was. I know right. Julian too. Yeah. Right. He was the best among us. Awesome. Um, He's doing great. Where is he now? Okay. Last time I saw him, he actually stayed not too far from here. Uh-huh. Um, I ain't trying to tell you business, but he stayed not too far from here. <laughs> uh, so over there, over there, down the street somewhere. In that era, like I was, I grew up with live music, mm-hmm. being in a band, and like that's all I wanted to do was go dance to live music to show my appreciation to the band. That's what made me want to dance. Was like you're sounding good, or like yeah. you know I'm smiling at you. Like keep you know keep playing that music. Mm-hmm. And so those clubs, as far as I knew, were DJed. And I wasn't interested. Right. Yeah, no, they were all DJed, and that's where we sharpened our skills. We would record each other, and then you wouldn't look at yourself dance. You would look at the audience. Mm -hmm. Like, so if people were dancing and they were looking at you, or you had somebody looking at you, you knew you had something. If nobody was watching you dance, then you sucked, and that's how you, right, that's how we, like, okay, this move don't work. (laughs) Did you see what they did when I did this right here? That's a no. Right. Right? And that's how we, that was our class. Right. I didn't take my first actual professional class until after I graduated high school and I was maybe like 20, 21 mm-hmm. and it was a ballet class and I actually bartered I actually bartered my first um, classes I was like hey teach me ballet and modern and I'll teach your hip hop classes for free um, and it was like more like popping and um, a little breaking at the time but it was I'll teach these street classes for you if you yeah. Let me take your ballet classes cool. and your modern classes. And so when and, where, when and where was that? This was Southwest Dance Academy. Um, this was also in Houston. And when? I was 21. So, yeah, coming up on maybe 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And that was my first introduction to um, a class structure. Mm-hmm. In the, like, era of live music and... Uh, all ages clubs like it was about catching the eye of the band members for sure yeah that's how you knew you know that or, or and where people would let you be because like mm-hmm. it was such a more aggressive place that like you would literally just get elbowed out like if you weren't if you weren't supposed to be front and center right in front of the lead singer you would get elbowed out so you'd have to like I would have to dance like to maintain my position because otherwise <laughs> like I was going to be like in the back I know, you know I know what you mean yeah yeah no, we didn't have we didn't really have many live band situations, mm-hmm. um, just because of the way the music was structured at the time. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to sing along to all the songs to, to right. let the band know that like I, I know, know you, these songs. I heard you. I, yeah. I, know that like, I follow you. Like right. I'm a fan. Yes. Like let me stay right here. Yeah. And which one of y'all? And yeah. Which one? Let's of y'all? talk. Let's talk. <laughs> yep. Yep. It was fun. Okay. So, um, is that it? That's kind of how you learn? As far as class? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's how I got my basis. And then after that, of course, I went seek these places out. I got under some people um, here, uh, Chris Gomez and uh, the good folks over there at Have a Coral um, were kind of like my first teachers for um, street, street styles like hip-hop and uh, breaking more. And then... That's where I met Chris, me, Chris Gomez, this guy named Chris Gomez, who was um, mentoring me and Chris Thomas um, together. And we that's how we started cool. linking up and uh, uh, doing shows and tours and stuff together. Through okay, that. so tell me like that first step into professional performing. I just asked a question, honestly. So I was dancing at this event. My cousin invited me to dance at her church. Um, she was like, hey, you dance. Can you come dance at my church? And I was kind of like, eh. <laughs> All right. Whatever. Like, she kind of begged me, basically, to just come. It would be really nice and stuff like that. So I came. I danced at the church. And this guy who knew Chris was like, yo, man, you really dope. You should link up with my guy, Chris. And I was like, who is that? He's like, oh, he's this guy. You know, he dances. been all around the world. Da, 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 da. Like, y'all should link up. He could probably help you. Who is that? I can't even remember that guy's name. But anyway, he he text he texted him, gave me his number, and I called him for almost a week straight. 
before I even got an answer. Like, I would call and go to his voicemail, and he'd be like, hey, who is this? I was like, hey, I met your friend. Um, you know, I'm a dancer. I would like to dance. They told me that you were the person to talk to, that you had all the, the insight, stuff like that. And I think I texted him for maybe calling text off and on for like a week with no response or a very little response. And then he just, one day he was just like, hey, come to this, um, come to this, uh, um, show that we're doing. It was over in, uh, um, not the Heights, but what, what's the, um, not Memorial. It's, uh, dang, what's the area? Garden River Oaks. Oaks. River, River Oaks. Oh, River Oaks. It was a show in River uh-huh. Oaks. Um, and he was like, hey, just come come here. And I had to catch the bus. And uh-huh. I caught the bus. I'd never been to River Oaks before. And I'm like 20. I think I'm 20, 21, something like that. I catch the bus um, to River Oaks. I get the MapQuest. Get the MapQuest. Catch the bus. Miss the stop. And then just, I don't know how. But the stop didn't look familiar. And... I was like, this. I don't think this is right. I get off the bus, lost, mm. trying to figure out the directions, and I just, my gut just led me, and I walked maybe <laughs> three, four blocks, and then uh, there it was, the school, and I was like, okay, I found it, cool. So I get there, and I'm like, hey, and Chris is there. Chris works for Chris. Chris uh-huh. Thomas, <laughs> young Chris, is already there working for Chris, and I had seen him off and on because we were both teaching classes at a... Uh, Bally's at the time it was Bally's uh-huh. and I had went to his class and then I had a class cool um, but Chris was <laughs> not trying to mess with me at the time he really wasn't and I show up and he's there and I'm there and I'm like hey Chris he's like what are you doing here like he thinking I'm following him and Chris Gomez is like no he's coming okay show me what you got so I dance at this show for free um, and he's like okay you're pretty good like you know Start coming around. So then he invites me into more and then um, starts, you know, paying me to come out and, and dance and doing these gigs and these shows. And it was during the daytime. It was like school shows. And then he was like, hey, do you want to teach? And that was my basic introduction to professional, you know, whatever. He had I already had a company that mm-hmm. um, had a contract with the U.S. Embassy that had been traveling wow. the world and stuff. And I was just... I just basically bugged him until he gave me a job. Yeah. And that's pretty much how I got in. That's, that's how awesome. I started. And then he taught me and Chris um, the business of that, mm-hmm. that stuff. So did you get to travel internationally through the embassy contract? No, because by the time, not with him. Uh-huh. But by the time um, that stuff started happening, it was uh, um, going to other stuff. But we did do, well, I guess, well, no, yeah. I mean, we did travel, and um, we traveled a, quite a bit. But no, by the time by that time they had did some merger thing and split up, and I don't really okay, know the details of that, so I ain't gonna touch on it. But no, by the mm-hmm. time I met Chris, they were phasing out of the embassy contract. Okay, but they were still traveling. So, so it was kind of like the next highlight. Yeah. For you. Now, what was the next highlight? What was the next highlight for uh, me? In your career. Uh-huh. Big break, big move. Got on a plane. Yeah, but I don't it's kind of hard to say cuz a lot of things happen a lot of things start happening. Um I would say uh even while I was traveling, or after, like, that's, that's a hard question. I don't know. Multi-time review, I would say okay, that. Okay, cool. That was a pivotal thing because the first year, I really, like, one of my dance teachers and a lady that I work with, her name is Miss Yvette, she was like, hey, you should audition for this uh, this show. It's, a, you, know, you know, it's like a concert thing here, and... I'm young. I think I'm I think I'm early dating myself. I'm thinking I'm like I'm saying twenty twenty one when this stuff is happening, but I'm thinking maybe I was like No, I was twenty two. I was twenty two when I found out about uh Motown Review. 
and I did the first year, it was great, and then the next year it was another choreographer that came on, um, who was, you know, from like this performance school and era, and she had, you know, performed and done these, you know, big grandiose shows, and um, Chris was the Chris was the assistant. Chris was the assistant choreographer. Young Chris? Yes, he was the assistant uh-huh. to her. Cool. And so I was dancing with my friend. I was learning from her. And it was just fun. Like, we, you know. Tell everybody about Motown Review. So Motown Review is a show that happens in Houston that basically goes through the era of Motown until current. Or not till current, but basically goes. Uh, it's a review of all the things that they did. And it has lights and dancing and they add production value to that it's a free show at Miller Outdoor Theater um, every, every Memorial, Memorial Day weekend right every Memorial Day weekend <laughs> yes. and that was the first time I had performed in front of thousands of people at one time right. I think it was like 30,000 people from a three day weekend mm-hmm. something like that and it was packed and that was the first time I got on stage and I remember because I didn't understand performing the first year I did it because they wanted me to wear this costume, and I was like, this is not me. I hate this costume. I'm not wearing this. Uh-huh. And I had to get a lecture. Like, uh-huh. they was like, listen, you're not you. You're this character, and uh-huh. this character wears this clothes. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was just begrudgingly, like, and it was a solo. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't care. I don't want to wear this outfit. And I remember, you know, getting kind of schooled about that, and that was, like, my first, like, big theater thing. And then I... um then from there, I just kind of rode that momentum, and then I started doing all these other theater shows, and then that's how I got into like, uh, like just theater shows in general, like things off of Broadway and whatever. I was still traveling and learning, and like um, traveling in New York, and um, mm-hmm. I wasn't talking to anybody, but I was going to clubs and going to classes, and like that's when like it was kind of like, okay, who is this guy? I keep showing up every summer trying to, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I was learning all of that and taking these different classes and then coming back with that information. So I was getting right. better and better at theater stuff, like theater dance and started learning about Fozzie and just I just wanted to be great at it because I was like, yo, if I'm going to do this, then this is kind of, you know, whatever. Um, so I think that would be the next like pivotal thing to actually be like, oh, wow, I can really perform. Because when I got in front of that crowd, I was performing. Like, it was, and it was a lot of people. And I was like, at 22, that was my first time doing something um, on that level, on that statue, like, on that type of uh, stage. Awesome. Yeah, so. And there's a band and singers. Yeah, so it was a band and singers. Uh The whole, like, it was a production. Yeah. Um, It's long, too. There's, like, a lot of big dance numbers. Yeah. When we were doing it, it was a lot more big dance numbers and a lot more stunts. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So yeah, it was it was physically demanding, but we had the youth for it. We was twenty two yeah. doing that show, so <laughs> yeah, awesome. Then what? Then what? Then yeah, what? bring us. I don't know so many journey. things. Like I, I think I feel like I gotta like get my resume out and just like, oh yeah, I did that. And I did the Sprite commercial, and then I did the, like. Well, it's not like you. I mean, obviously, you didn't just like join a company and dance in a company for a decade. So you, you, you did. You somehow pieced together, you know. Yeah, just random like ragtag gigs, mm-hmm. and then from. Do you have a manager? Um, I had a manager for a brief moment, but. Okay. Um, like was, how did Sprite find you? I don't know. They just, okay. I don't, like, uh-huh. I I cannot remember, it's just like, I'll get a f- random phone call mm-hmm. from people, it'd be like, hey, I got this thing coming up, or this music video, or like, um, just just saying yes, and just Did showing Motown up to places. Did contribute a lot to your network, um, and like their relationship uh, with Music World Entertainment? No. Okay. So, Music World Entertainment, they didn't... They didn't uh, kind of link up with uh, Matthew Knowles until I was definitely the choreographer. I worked my way up to the choreographer, um, and that relationship that they had wasn't really um, wasn't really uh, solidified from the beginning of uh, 
Motown. Okay. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. But yeah. Motown did help my visibility because 3,000 people every night saw me. Right. It was like, who is that guy? 5,000. So, yeah, 5,000 right. people a night. It was like, who is that guy? And then just being like always around and going to different things and just, I kind of took a, uh, kind of took a approach of like at that time I was um, married and I was just like I just need these gigs to just keep coming in so I was just keep digging and finding and searching and like just making myself visible mm-hmm. as much as I could <laughs> and yeah if if something came to Houston I was I was trying to be a part of it and I think that cool. was really what what it was and my network was just trying to be around as many different types of people as possible types mm-hmm. of dancers as possible mm-hmm. um but yeah i think i need to pull out my resume so i could worst talk. gig ever worst gig oh god <laughs> dancing okay so it was a bar mitzvah and i was dancing at um dang i don't even want to say this company's name because it might be slanders nah, nah, nah. But... leave it out Okay, so anyway, I'll, it was I'll this guess venue. In my head, <laughs> I doubt if you did. You'd never guess it right. because this is not a place you should have a party under mm. any circumstances. But the ceiling was like this low. Okay, your hand is right above your head, a foot above your head. Yeah, right. right. Okay. The ceiling is really low, and the it's a concrete floor, and it's a concrete like outside concrete, and it's like slanted. And whatever, and they just kind of built a structure around it, like a party room, and there was very little AC in there, and we called it the Taco Hut. <laughs> like <laughs> we was like, why they got us dancing the Taco Hut? And it was just like, it was just terrible. Like we couldn't, glass was breaking. Like people kept breaking glass, and it was like, I'm not performing on this dance floor, like or dance floor. I'm not performing. And this glass broke, broken up, <laughs> little shards of glass. Like, we're break dancers. We got to put our hands on the floor and, like, slide on our knees. I'm like, that's not happening. Um, Whoa. And then it was, a, it was, it was, yeah, it was bad. Mm-hmm. The equipment kept going out because <laughs> of, it didn't have enough infrastructure to hold the power of the speakers. Right. And it was hot and it was, yeah. I did not enjoy that one at all. <laughs> Cut that, that one sucked. over with. That was the worst. That was the worst one. But then it's like you know you have a like day for night festival and um, uh, doing a lot of uh, openings, opening for like Kendrick Lamar, and um, it was a lot of people. Um, but uh, what did you do for Kendrick Lamar? open for him like just, just yeah just me and three other dancers uh-huh and um cool yeah Pit- so what, what was that like what was it like uh, how'd you get it um what was what Man, was your what was your act phone. your show uh i got a phone call and they said they needed more black people um to be honest that's what <laughs> they said yes they was like we need more black people um mm. do you know somebody and the homie um he he actually, I think he works for Cirque du Soleil now, or he does, I know he does a lot of circus work, and he lives in Vegas, so I'm not 100% sure what he's doing, um, but he was just like, hey, uh, you want to come do this gig, we got three rehearsals, blah, 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 and you're basically freestyling, and I was like, yeah, sure, I didn't even know what, like, I was just like, yeah, it's a gig, like, whatever, and I get to the venue, and I'm like, okay, you say, drive around here, I give the pass, and I see this big ass stage I'm sorry Cackers. I see this giant stage and all this stuff and I'm like what is this and then I pull up and it's like oh your section is right here and I'm like ah, section like <laughs> <laughs> and I'm getting like there's like massage rooms over there and like uh, all this this wild stuff and I'm like okay cool <laughs> this is a thing and I'm like what is this thing and it's like oh it's a, a day for night festival um and uh, yeah, you're gonna open for Kendrick. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, yeah. So that routine we did, that's what it's for. Um, I was like, okay, cool. So then I put a little extra pizzazz on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just basically a phone call, like, hey, we want a little color up there. That's honestly how it happened. And again, that was just from a random network. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but just yeah so many things just kind of happened like that uh my crew like uh when we we danced with Pitbull and Galveston he was for uh I don't know some company can't remember can't remember but um a friend of mine who's a DJ they was like hey we need a we need an opener or we need somebody that can fill up this time before the main act can your guys do it and like yeah nice and they called me and uh and we we did that and then like uh so so many so many things like that or after the main act we come on I don't know, and and then even just getting the opportunity to dance with a lot of these, uh, with a lot of these people just from just dancing on the side, like just preparing and like, yo, that's tight. Can you do that on my set? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, most definitely. Um, oh man, that takes me back. Yeah, pulled up on stage. Yeah, yeah, that was like the ultimate destination. Yeah, I was like, I'm checking yeah. stage. Right. Ugh. Oh, ugh. check moves. it out. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so have you worked with recording artists like collaboratively or on? Yeah, yeah. Um, dang, I should have. I, I did. I, it's been quite a few, and it's quite a while since I revisited. But uh, okay, so like Big Daddy Kane, LL Cool J, like as far as like being a part of the, being a p- part of the production stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah, um, Amarion. Uh, Can we see it? Is it online? I don't know. I don't even look for it. Uh-huh. I just, I and it it kind of happens. It, it happens sometimes when it's just in Houston, like, and then if they're if they're coming to Houston and it's like I start as one thing, like a lot of it. Well, not a lot of it, but some of it comes from just, like, I would develop a relationship with the radio station, and they were like, hey, we need an opener, or, like, can y'all, you know, be a feature in this concert, and then I go from being a feature to an act, and then, like, when the managers come, and I'm like, hey, this part, blah, 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 or sound check, and then it's like, hey, well, if y'all need this, and then I'll, I'll just see the opportunity and be like, okay, well, we can fill this gap in right here, and we can do this, and just, you know, blah, 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 just to say we did Wu-Tang, and yeah. Um cool. Yeah. So that's kind of how that happened. It it's just being there. It's just being there and just recognizing an opportunity and then saying I can feel this in and this is how this works and mm-hmm. uh having your paperwork ready to just be like this is how much it costs me or cool. You know whatever cuz mm-hmm. no matter their set is not finished. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? Or Developing relationships with the dancers, you know, that are with agencies and linking up with them and then like you're chilling backstage with their dancers from another state that you just know and, you know, while you're there, y'all sessioning or whatever and like, that's tight. Can you come here? Oh, um, Jason Derulo. I forgot about him. Yeah, it's just and that that happened from me just hanging out with his dancers, just just hanging out and mm-hmm. you know, and they was like, "Oh, you can dance, huh? I know it. Let me see." <laughs> Turn the music on. It's like, okay, can you do that? Can you do that in this set? Cause like every performer has this set where they feature their dancers, mm-hmm. like Madonna. They everybody has this like little space where they're getting ready or whatever, and they're featuring dancers. So it's like, okay, you want to come up? You want to you want to get off on this part? Cause I know I can't learn the choreography, right? Right, the day of that yeah. day, unless they were here for a week, and then it's like, hey, somebody like that's happened too. Like, hey, somebody hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. Can you fill in? Like, yeah, and right. like you got two days to, you know right. what I mean? Stuff like that. But uh, yeah, mostly it's just um, educating and um, just saying yes, and being being at the right place at the right time. So I'm yeah, lucky and blessed to. To have those opportunities. Yeah, for but sure. But then, once you have them enough times, it's like, this is not luck, and then you just, you just know, this right here, <laughs> say this right here, this is, this is space right here, just put it in right there. Cool. So. So, what's your creative process? When I'm creating? 
what's your community project? I mean, you, I know you freestyle a lot, but like, what does that mean to you? And with various projects that you do, like, you know, maybe different ways you approach them. I start with the music. I start with the music and then to, if I understand the music, then it's like, it's much easier to, to dig into a bag and say, oh, this is, this is invoking this and this and this and this. So what can I do with these sounds and how can I, how can I bring this story or how can I bring this music to life? But it starts with the music and whatever I freestyle to, if I hear this song and I start freestyling to it, that's most likely going to be the choreography. Like my dance is an amalgamation or a tapestry of everything that I've learned, uh, every style that I've learned. So if it fits, if the music led me to do it, that's because it's in the music and I don't force it. So I just Hmm. throw it in there. Uh, who are your favorite musicians? My favorite musician? Sure. Prince. Um, favorite. Yeah, I like. I really like Prince. I like D'Angelo. Um, hmm. Miles Davis, Coltrane. Uh, uh, felonious monk, and those are the ones I really like. Grew up with, and then there are a couple like, like I grew up with a lot of vinyls, so a lot of like the the um, studio, the um, the studio worker, drummers and stuff like, the people that were. Um, just working for the record label and they were just playing uh, what's it called when they're like resident a lot of like resident studio um, musicians that just came in no matter the artist like do you see them on a lot of albums because they were just the resident for you know Motown or Sony or whatever um, but I can't think of their names I just I know session them. drummers yeah like yeah. session drummers uh-huh. right right stuff like that cool um, so um what do you call the kind of dance that you do? What do I call it? Mm-hmm. I call it dance. I call it whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not really mystery. It's either hip hop, house, breaking. It's all street based, whacking. Um, Are those Lindy? If it's Lindy Hopper jazz, all of it is street dance. I do every. When somebody asks me what dance style do I do, I say everything black. So, <laughs> I sound funny, but you think it like everything that black people did, I do. Everything black people did and do, I do, and I incorporate it all into what I'm doing, depending on what the music's telling me to do. So I try to learn all of it. And what's is there a common denominator, or like what is a, a, across all of those? Like what is it? What's the common denominator among all the styles that links them all together? Um, I mean, in addition to black. It's the consciousness. It's, I mean, no, it is. It's not an addition. It's the consciousness of it. The consciousness is coming from the same creative space that uh, I believe created us and created me. So I'm tapping into who I've, who I've always been and who I will be. So that's the, that's the link. We've always done these things. We've always we've always done these dances and these type of things, and I'm not really doing anything new. I'm just tapping into them, and the essence of them all are kind of coming from the same place. Do you think we all came from the same place? As far as every person came from Africa, what are you asking me? I mean, yeah, that's what your scientists say. That's what yeah, that's until. Somebody said something different. Yeah, we all came from the same place, and um, certain um, certain genes change based on the g- geographical location and where you were in degrees to the sun, and uh, yeah, so 
so certain you, certain things in your DNA is gonna change the way like your hair is or your eyes or you know your skin. Like if you're stuck in the Caucasus Mountains and it's snowing there and there is no there is no sunlight, your skin doesn't need to be dark because you've been in you're you're in snow. Like you know what I mean. So it's like two black people can make an albino person. But two white people mm-hmm. can't make a black person. So, <laughs> like. Yet. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, when you say that you do the dance that you've always done, um, how would you describe it? Uh, Movement wise. How would I describe the dance that I've always done? The, the, like, from Africa till mm-hmm. Leandre no. Douglas, like yeah, yeah like what's what's describe? like the common thread? Um, you said you're saying consciousness, and then I guess like what's the dance? Mm. Or um, or is that is it not physical? But it seems to it seems to manifest itself. It manifests kind of itself common. physically, mm-hmm. but no, I think it comes from. I think it all comes from the same place, but different eras. The music changes the way you move. Like, if we think of music like vibrations, right? Like, if you were looking at it on, like, Pro Tools or some kind of music software and you're looking at music, it's, it's vibrations, mm-hmm. right? So, that's what I, like, when people say, oh, it's a vibe or, you know, the vibe. I think the the energy that's, the energy that's put out because of the music makes the dance take on certain characteristics. But the vibe, depending on how fast it's moving, is what's going to invoke this type of movement and that movement. But the intention of why you created it is the same, which is what I mean by, like, it's the same consciousness. So if the consciousness is frustration... You can hear the frustration in the music, even though it might seem melodic. So the essence of it is frustration, which is something I can relate to, which is something that I have been before. So that's going to invoke the movement. It might be twitchy or you know, whatever it is. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but mm-hmm. for me, that's what it is. It's the intention behind the music. The music is going to invoke me to dance a certain way. So the feelings that humans have, black folks have felt, good or bad, is the common thing. And that's why you can kind of see these same characteristics of certain movements over and over in different pockets of place. Because we're tapping into something that dealt with a consciousness. And not so much of a step. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I don't know. It does. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So if you take us back to like the call of the drum, can you give us like some touch points along the way up up to you you said Lindy Hop, like can you tell us a little bit more about the history? Can you? You the one you the aficionado, no? No, I'm talking about I mean, you know a lot between Africa and the Savoy Ballroom. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's taper this question a little bit and uh, maybe rephrase it so then I can like how you go from Africa to the Savoy. Um, yeah, I just feel like you know a lot about the, that era of history that um, I never I, knew about I mean, until I you told me. So I'd love for you to share it. I, However, I'm, you want to phrase the question. <laughs> <laughs> when we talking about slave ships and dancing, being forced to dance on slave ships, you can start there. Sure, thanks. Okay, so yeah, there there are writings and um, uh, documentation of how to keep you know slaves healthy for the voyage, right? Because it was a long voyage, um, and they would talk about um, letting them drum and dance. And they would drum and do war dances on the deck of the ship. So they would bring them up every day. And under the under the whip, they would force black folks to dance 
and play the drums um, so that they could, you know, stay healthy. And the ships, not every ship did it, but the ships that did do it um, were able to keep more stock. So then, then you get, you know, to the mainland or in the Caribbean, which is pit stop, and then some got off there. And when you get to, uh, you know, Virginia, Louisiana, or wherever, North Carolina, wherever you landed, um, after you were sold off, that um, you kind of kept that until the drum was banned. Um, because they was leading revolts, like we were giving messages through the drum. And they were like, oh, they figured it out, like, wait a minute, they they plotting and planning through the song and like letting people know what things mean. So songs like Wade in the Water and it's basically giving slaves information on, look, if you're gonna run, then God's gonna trouble the water is not necessarily God is like gonna save you through the water, but if you jump in the water, um, bloodhounds can't smell your scent anymore. So stay near the water if you're gonna escape because the water is gonna get the scent off of you so that you can actually escape. And you know. Stuff like that. So a lot of the a lot of the songs were sung um to kinda with coded language. And we see it now in like hip hop. Hip hop has a lot of coded language that if you're not a part of the culture you're really not gonna understand it. You're thinking like, oh they're just like rapping in rhyme or just you know whatever but no we, we put a lot of messages in the music and the dance is uh, also a way to hide um, us protecting ourselves like um, for fighting fighting styles like capoeira or anything like we were we couldn't have sticks or anything so we would say it's, they slaves would call it playing but it was really training through music through the drum on how to protect yourself um, so stuff like that is what I mean when I say like genealogy um, yeah and so I've heard after the drum was banned that the tap dancing yeah well that like Irish people you know played a part in that because um, you know they came as an indentured servants but they brought tap with them and if you was poor you just kind of stayed in the same place and um the Gangs of New York actually has a a small little excerpt in the movie um, where the guy is like watching a tap dancer, a black tap dancer, and he's like, look at this. Um, it's like African African dance mixed with an Irish jig. And it was he was tap dancing. So they, you know, poor people just kinda linked together and like with the with the breeding of or breeding or coming together of different cultures, like different things pick up. Like so Slaves were not just coming from one one part of um, one part of the globe, especially like the word slave is Slavic, which is Africans are not Slavics, Slavics, you know. So these people are coming together and mixing and matching, um, you know, different dances and different sounds of music, and you know, picking up different characteristics of each other, and these things are kind of being grafted. Um, for what we identify now, and even then, it's still changing and always changing because people are putting their putting their seasoning and you know mm-hmm. into it. So, where does the word black come from? Black, black is a um, and white. That comes from a code like a it's called the color codes, um, and it's really dealing with law. It's black in law and white in law, and white is assumed to be right. Um, it's not. It's not actually dealing with your pigment. It's dealing with um, your place in your place in society and in law. Like white, white is granted to be right automatically and a part of law. It's a and it's a construct created to further enslave people and also justify slavery. Because when if I say black and white. Now I can't tie you to a nationality, right? Japanese people or Chinese people don't come here and say I'm yellow. They say I'm Japanese and Chinese. But if you can get people that are here to not be a part of a nation 
and not have a history, you can say black or white. There is no black, there is no such thing as a black nation. I mean, okay. There is no, right, right. I'm saying it and it's double talk. There is such thing as a black nation now, but there is no such thing as a black nation. Like, there is no landmass that calls themselves black, right? There, there might have been um, concepts of it, but no actually, no nation call himself black. So when you talk about Marcus Garvey, are you talking about um, uh, Malcolm X or anybody? They're talking about building a nation under a nation, or um, the honorable, uh, not the honorable Elijah Muhammad. Him too. He talks about nation building too, but um, uh, uh, Noble Drew Ali. They talk about being a part of a nation and black people being uh, tied to a landmass, and that is where you get your justice because. You're, they're responsible for you as dealing. They have to deal with you in law if you're a part of a nation. So, if a if a Mexican person gets arrested in the United States, in order for them to actually um, charge them, they first have to contact Mexico and say, "Hey, we got one of your people here, and you know we're either going to send them back, or you know can we charge them here and whatever." And they have to get permission if. A Chinese person gets um, arrested, they have to let Chinese um, government know. But if you're black or white, you're, like your you're chattel is called chattel property. You're not even actually a real person because you're not tied to a nation. So, and it's dealing with color. That's why white is always presumed to be right because it's white in law and black in law. It, it has nothing to do with your actual pigment. It's a way to keep and grant rights to um, certain types of people, but it's not an actual construct when it comes to world government and world law. Will you please share about the history of the that period where um, people were like traveling around in shows and some, somebody went to Europe? You know what I'm talking about? Master Juba? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, okay. So um, yeah, he was um, he was a dancer in um, the Five Points. Uh, what's the famous What's the famous white writer? I'm drawing a blank. Um, what's the guy that wrote Huckleberry Finn? Mark Twain. Thank you. Mark Twain wrote about him. Um, and yeah, he was a he was um, you know a great dancer one of the best dancers, and he battled a lot to uh, get his place, and he battled, you know, the best white Irish dancer they were going at, and he he ended up winning, and um, he was actually uh, the first black person to have his name on a marquee. He was written about by Mark Twain, and um, he traveled to Europe uh, with... uh, the Ringling Brothers, and um, was a performer. He was he was a he was a performer. Uh, Do you have any idea what he was doing? He was dancing. What? Moves? Oh, like yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, 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 no. I don't know. It just talks about how fast his feet moved, mm-hmm. and he was doing some kind of jig. So he was a tap dancer. What's his name again? Uh. Ma- <laughs> Master Juba. I was trying to get his real okay. name. And um, I'm drawing a blank. I'm just not prepared. Have you ever done your Master Juba? Have I ever done my Master Juba dance? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I've done Master Juba-like battles where you just kind of keep going at it and first mm-hmm. person, first person falls. <laughs> it. Actually, we battle like this. First person put their hands on their knees loses. And that that's the indicate you're tired. So if you can right. just keep going and keep coming wow. up with stuff, right. then uh, you won. <laughs> cool. Yeah. What's the five points? Five points is a, well, it's not there anymore, but it was a place in New York where um, it all kind of met up at this, this one uh, nucleus in New York. And um, yeah, that's an Irish black community. Uh, a couple others, but mostly them. Kind of like a town square? Yeah, there's five points. 
Um, oh, I see. Like the streets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they met in this place. And uh, the Gangs of New York is about the Five Points and the development of Five Points and how the different cultures that were all meeting at this place. Um, yeah. Cool. So, um, what... Well, like, tell me, uh, do you have a motto? What's your motto? Do I have a motto? Uh-huh. Um, I can't necessarily take credit for the motto that I have, um, but uh, Live True Dance Free is one of them, and that's from uh, Marjorie. Uh, she's not with us anymore. She's not on this um, earth, but she's with us in our hearts. She's a dancer um, from... My big brothers and older crew from uh, Dance Fusion. Um, so that's a model that I uh, I kind of adopted. Um, One's enough. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, what was it like for you to work with Norman Miller? Um. It was. Okay, so I had a chip on my shoulder, right, at that time. And it was just like, I really feel like, and I think I still kind of have this chip on my shoulder, but it's just like, yo, we can dance out here in the South. So it was kind of just like, yo, I don't care what you throw at me, I I can do it. And I'm just as good as anybody you would think you saw in Philadelphia or New York or whatever it is. So, like, I just remember it was a time of really trying to prove myself and, like, not really... I wasn't overwhelmed by the information. I was just like, yes, this makes sense. And I'm here to learn, but also I'm here to show how fast I can absorb this information because I feel like it's a part of me anyway. It's close to what I do anyway. So, um, but, yeah, that was fun. And I always love to hear older people correct Um younger people especially about dance because they just don't lie like old people just they have the liberty to just be like remember she was like that ain't jazz one no jazz steps in there that's all wrong and i i like those kind of notes but you know some people get butthurt about them but i appreciate that because they're not gonna lie to you maybe because they don't have time to lie i don't know i like that i like I like being under someone where I'm not the best, and I like being under uh, someone to where you got to earn their respect. I don't want to just come in with just like, you know, yeah, it got to be, like, respect has to be earned, and even if you don't like what I'm doing or you don't like me, um, you know that, you know, something something is there that I want it. You know, so that's what I took away from that experience. It was a great, it was a great experience, but I definitely know I had something to prove, and I wanted to prove it to myself. And all right, so that's how that experience was for me. What did you learn from Miss Miller? Uh, rhythms, rhythm cadences, like uh, beep bop de bop, like those type of. What was it? Beep bop de bop. Is that it? No, it was like. Uh, like and like these kind of like different rhythm, uh, rhythm nuances. Like and that's how you know she would teach, and I understood it because I don't know. For me, I understood it because I felt like I understood it because I was black, and <laughs> we talk in those rhythms. Like when you talk, when you think thinking about like uh, boom bap or um, hip hop. Like, I can actually see, I can hear the hip-hop in, in the cadences. Like, rap cadences or beat cadences, um, you know. So, if you take something like hip, a hop, a hibbit, a hibbit to the hip, hip, hop, and you don't stop a rockin' to the bang, bang, boogie, say up, jumps the boogie. You know what I mean? Like, that, that type of cadence to beep bop ba bop 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 beep bop 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 Like, for me, it's the same thing. Like, oh, okay, it's this rhythm. It's a rhythm. It's not It's not a step. It's because it wasn't that we was getting the steps wrong. It was, no, the rhythm is not right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for me, it just, it just kind of merged 
it merged the worlds all in it merged the worlds for me to where it's like you think these things are separate but like they're they're doing the hip hop of their time and we're doing the hip hop of our time and everything in between is the hip hop of this time even though they're called different things a lot of these characteristics which is again the consciousness is coming up again people just wanting to party and you know what I'm saying be yeah. social like all these all these are social dances when I at the beginning of the interview when he was like how did you start dancing like we was going to clubs and mm-hmm. just kind of you know what I mean they were going to clubs and just kind of doing their thing and looking at each other they didn't have you know VHS tapes but I feel like the, the essence of all that stuff is the same thing mm-hmm. so for me just being around somebody um, that old and listening listening to her teach through cadences was uh was the like the glue that that made everything link for me. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Did you ever watch uh, Frankie Manning teaches Shim Sham? Yeah. Yeah. It's Shim Shammy. <laughs> I can hear it too. Oh ho ho. Yeah. Hey hey. Uh, what what is it? And then you put you put and across over and you tacky in it. Like that's how I remember it. Because it's the rhythms, like <laughs> you know, I sound like that too. That's why I love it. Yeah. And I can remember things like that. I can remember if you want me to remember it. If I'm remembering choreography, I'm I'm putting it to a cadence. So the way I say it, the way it's said to me, is what I like internalize. It's been to, a while since I heard like Frankie Manning in person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Who was that lady he was dancing with on that video? Aaron Stevens. That's his, that was his wife? No. No, that was just She's the girl who called him up and said, are you Frankie Manning? The dancer? Yeah. After he was uh, in the postal service for 40 years? Oh. That's cool. Just calling him up. Call him up from L.A. That's dope. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a familiar story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, you know, hearing hearing it in rhythm, hearing it in time and rhythm mm-hmm. helps me mm-hmm. remember what it is, know what it is, and internalize it because we're all rhythmatic. I don't care who you like. We all hear music the same. It's just the way we link to it, right? So the way I'm clapping right now and talking, like you can match it <laughs> as music, right? Because we all do things to a time, right? And even if you think about your heartbeat, right? right. Your heart beats and it's a rhythm like syncopated Mm -hmm. no matter how fast the music is your heart can sync to the Mm -hmm. music so cool yeah and just circling back to me asking you what kind of dance you do which you know I mean I figured you'd say dance I didn't really know Um, because we always have to say something you know like hip hop with Leandre or so you know just so people like know what it is you know before they see it but I think um, just that concept of hop is it it is an informal word for dance mm-hmm. and I think everybody's been hopping around mm-hmm. you know yeah, <laughs> for like sure. forever um, and then maybe just it's hop is like just that thing that we just do you know it's like no rhyme or reason or effort yeah mm-hmm. it's just kind of like why do we dance as humans like it doesn't serve it doesn't serve us um for a purpose like fashion can be explained because like well humans need clothing so like the art of <laughs> fashion making right the clothes that we wear the designs that are on them it's like it's an embellishment of a necessity shelter architecture is an embellishment of a necessity to you know mm-hmm. shelter ourselves and food culinary arts are is a necessity to eat and you know we're adding art to these things that are a necessity, but is it a necessity to dance? Why do we do it? And I don't know. <laughs> I like doing it. And I think it's something um, spiritual for everybody that engages in it. Um, and I think, I don't know, I just think we, we do it because we can, cause we're, just because we can. I don't think it's a, it's not like any other art to where it's a, a means to um, survival. Or something like that. But then again, it could be. But what I mean by survival is like necessity. Like the basic necessities of life. 
dance is not necessary for. I mean, life's got to be worth living. Yeah, All right for sure. I think we dance because we can. That's what. But as far as a necessity to live, which is why most of the people in your in your classes have never danced, because it's not necessarily a necessity for them to live. They got to eat, they got to wear clothes, and they got to have a house. So those are the only things they can relate to because it's a necessity, right? But dance is like, it's a luxury or it's a, there's no really rhyme or reason of why we do it. It could be argued maybe courtship. It could be argued um, to get to get closer to God. Like when you think about um, uh, Thailand and the way they dance for their gods and they have to like hit every posture exactly the way that the god or the deity would do it or to invoke a spirit or um, talk about West African um, dances where um, you're doing it to honor a spirit or to honor a time season, to honor a time and season or a rain dance to, you know, get gods to show mercy on you by dancing. You know, those are those are things dealing with spiritual. So that's why I say it's more of a spiritual thing. Cool. Uh, so let's close with you giving us your advice for like if we wanted to dance more like you, dance more like me. But we can't take a class from you or whatever. Just just listening only. Um, what can we do? If you were just to listen to me to learn how to dance, like right now, give us an assignment so that we can be better dancers. And like from not, I mean, I'm not I trying to win a competition. But I like, get you. Like, give but me, like to you know, all right. Um, send us off. So don't hear the music. Listen to the music. Listen to the music. And if that means taking the same song and listening to it a thousand times over, listen to the music and let the music choreograph you. That's another motto. Music is a choreographer. Um, that's from Tyrone Proctor. Um, but the music is a choreographer. The music is going to tell your body what to do. And if you listen with intent to to let the music tell you what to do, you're never gonna run out of material. You're never gonna um, not know what to do, even if you don't have the vocabulary. If you can't physically do it, your mind is gonna see it. Like I, and a lot of people say that, like I can see it, but I just can't physically do it. That's because you, your body knows what to do. You know what to do. It's just connecting it with the music. So start with the music. My guest today has been Leandre Douglas. Oh, yeah, we had a camera. Hey. Leandre, thank up? you for being a part of Dance Talks. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and share our podcast and reach out to us on social media if you'd like to talk. To support Dance Talks, donate to Dance Houston. Talk to you on Monday.